This is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our ninth episode. In this podcast, I ask people what they do when they unroll their yoga mat and tell you a little bit about what's going on on mine. If you have a question about your yoga practice or a suggestion for a guest, please find me at Home Bodies Yoga on Facebook and Instagram. To find out more about each show, please go to our website, homebodiesyoga.com. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Well, Happy New Year. Uh, It's officially 2021, uh, and I am so happy to be back. I really missed podcasting these last two weeks, so I'm really excited to be back in my closet studio. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about my practice, and I actually feel like going into 2021, my practice is stronger than it's ever been going into a new year because usually... Uh, In non-COVID years, I'm traveling and I'm in a small house with a lot of people, which makes it difficult to practice or I'm home, but, you know, there's a lot of celebrations and parties, so it makes it difficult to practice. But this year, because there was less going on, I really haven't lost track of my practice, which felt felt really good going into 2021 with an established practice. And just a word, if you are establishing a practice or reestablishing your practice, just know that this is the hardest part, this like establishing the practice part. This is really the speed bump or I guess the hill, the big bump to get over before things get easier. You know, things are so much easier once you're already doing them. <laughs> I guess that's obvious, but sometimes it's good to hear. <sighs> yeah, and uh, you know, um, let's see, I don't really do like new year's resolutions because I'm kind of the kind of person that like I resolve to do things like every I feel like every day for me is a new year because I'm always like resolving to change something or uh, resolving to fix something or resolving to do something more um I mean I don't usually follow through but I do a lot of resolving it's for some reason part of the joys of being inside my brain Um, So I don't really usually do much for New Year's. Usually I kind of think about the way I want the year to go. And um, sometimes I come up with like a word. And and this year, I guess, yeah, I I guess you would call it an intention really in yoga speak. Like what's my intention for the year? But this year I came up with the word enjoy. It's just what came to mind because... Ugh, knock on all of the wood in the world and it's very this is very hard for me to say because I have two very I came from two very um, superstitious grandmothers but uh, I guess <laughs> I'll say it. things might be different this year because you know the vaccine is looking pretty good but we can't be sure so it's really hard to kind of plan something around what'll be because it's impossible to say what'll be so this year I just want to enjoy what is Um, And I guess that sounds pretty cheesy, but I've just noticed, especially with this life of being in our, in my home more and being uh, sort of every day being the same because of COVID, I've noticed that I'm having a harder time enjoying experiences because they're, you know, so similar to every experience is so similar, it seems, because every day is so similar yeah, like, I just feel like oh, cooking dinner, again, it's like this slog to get through, and even, like, eating dinner, oh, okay, get it, get through it, you know, like, get through this time from Hudson waking up from his nap to bedtime from 4 to 6 p.m., like, get through that, like, get through, um, you know, get through this cleaning the house, get through this day, get through this, and I, I was like, I'm not, you know, that's not so great because there are some really good experiences still happening. Like I'm getting to spend a lot of time with my family and I'm getting to really um, see my son change and evolve into like a person and getting to get really close to the people who um, I still see, (laughs) which are very few, but still it's wonderful to get closer to them. Yeah, so I... I just want to enjoy things more and I was going to tell a very cute story about trying to enjoy holding my son while he napped yesterday because um you know instead of holding him there were a million other things I could have been doing but he really wanted to be held for his nap 
And I ended up, of course, really enjoying it because he's my baby and holding your baby is the best. <laughs> but actually, I think what, what maybe is more interesting is that today I was trying to get uh, the mic, my new mic to work, and it just wouldn't work. And it was driving me really nuts. And I was like, okay, am I enjoying this experience? No. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, so if you're not enjoying an experience, what's the next question? Do I have to do this experience? Yes. Okay. Can I make this experience more enjoyable? And I looked around and I realized I was in like sitting in a crumpled squat on my bolster in my closet in terrible lighting, like just really uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to leave the closet while I fix the mic and lay in my bed while I fix the mic and get it fixed when I'm comfortable okay so I can enjoy this experience more than I am and then the other uh the other part of that is uh, my dad always had this trick for us when we were little and I actually think he does it for himself too where he would do (laughs) whenever there was something that was like really unpleasant that we had to do he would be like we're doing an adventure it's a challenge (laughs) so I was like okay instead of getting upset about this mic like let's just think of it as this is a challenge like it's an adventure like can I figure this out am I am I tech savvy can I become tech savvy and I did figure it out. Uh, ended up being that I just had to turn my computer off and turn it back on. Don't tell anyone, but that's it. <laughs> but, you know, in the end, I did enjoy it. And I also am really enjoying having a mic now. So there you go. There, that reminds me there's that like other kind of enjoying something. It's like retroactive enjoying something. Like, um, do you ever do like a really hard hike? And halfway through the hike, you hate it. And you're like, I can't believe I did this. Why did I agree to do this? Like, I'm hot. My back is heavy. Uh, This walking up straight mountain is unpleasant. Like, I'm out of breath, blah, blah. And then you get to the top and it's beautiful. And you, like, go back and you end up back home. And at the end, you're like, oh, that was, I loved that hike. Like, it's like, it's retroactively (laughs) enjoyable. Like, there are parts during it that are not enjoyable, but but at the end, you you do enjoy it. And then you really enjoy that, like, sitting at the bottom of the mountain that you just climbed or, or, you know, sitting at the top, of course. Um, So yeah, kind of exploring all kinds of different ways to enjoy things. Um, Yeah, and just to get more specific with my yoga practice, I've been really into this, like, trying to balance... um, the pairs of opposites in the practice of stiram and sukham, which I've talked a lot about on this podcast before. Sukham being like ease and joy and stiram being like discipline. And it tends, you know, like the way that it we think about it in the yoga practice lately is like, oh, it's like the more vigorous practice or the more difficult, more strenuous poses. So in more strenuous poses, I've been trying to find a way to find like ease and joy. So I've been like playing music and being like less austere about how perfect my alignment is and more sort of curious about uh, ways poses can feel in my body and more kind of open to exploring different variations of strenuous or more difficult poses. And then the opposite of that, which I've been finding really interesting, is finding kind of a little bit of stirum, a little bit of discipline and focus, and even, um, I guess, like muscle engagement in sort of usually the more easy poses, for lack of a better word. Um, And that's been really great too, like just in a seated forward fold uh, or double pigeon finding like really pushing my legs into the ground like really pushing my legs into the ground and really pushing my hips down and back then I find I get so much more space in my lower back or in supta pada kustasana that pose where you're laying on your back with one leg up into the air uh like really pressing so let's say my right leg is up like really pressing my left leg down and like really rooting my left leg down into the ground and then really pushing my top leg my right foot up into the strap or up into my hand and then at the same time pushing pulling down with the strap or pulling down with my hand so finding like a lot of rootedness even in this pose it's quote unquote easy I've just been finding I get so much more opening and it's really nice because I feel like in poses like that I kind of turn my brain off but somehow by turning my body on I have to focus and keep my mind on which is 
you know, of course, it's like another one of those opposites where the more you focus on your body, sometimes the more your mind relaxes. So I find I'm like much more relaxed at the end of a practice like that. Whereas a lot of the time, if I do a practice with a lot of forward fold or poses on my back that are quote unquote easier, I, my mind is going everywhere. So I end up not getting the same sort of like, um, focus of the mind and release of, um, tension and and I'm able to really relax even during relaxing poses whereas usually I need to work hard to relax my mind I don't know if that makes any sense it probably doesn't sorry (laughs) um but yeah that's what's been going on in my practice um and it's but funny I'm talking about these like all these different opposites in the yoga modality because this week I interviewed De- Debbie Steingesser and uh, Debbie is a yogi and yoga instructor, a CrossFit coach and CrossFit athlete, a dancer and dance instructor. You see a pattern here. She is the kind of person that goes in with both feet all into something she decides she's interested in. So she had a ton of knowledge and a ton of enthusiasm. So she's really fun to interview uh she's like one of those people you know a person at a party that's always like oh you have to meet this person and will like take you over to them that's how she is with the modalities like she's like oh you got injured in your yoga practice oh well you have to meet strength (laughs) or like oh you need a little more fun in your life oh you should meet dance um and definitely has like so many good suggestions for instructors that she's liked and all of the different things she likes to do and you know suggestions just for life she talked a lot about how the yoga practice is a repetitive practice and a physical practice that just like any other physical practice it's an important to train for and sort of how to train for it and she talked about strength and in a really accessible way for yogis which I really appreciated she made me feel totally fine about my eight pound weights <laughs> I always imagined for CrossFit for being a CrossFit athlete you would they would you need like giant barbells and I'm sure they have that too but she was very uh encouraging about my small weight um which I really appreciated um yeah so I think you'll really enjoy this um really good I mean I think we're just learning as this podcast goes that we all need more than just yoga and yoga just helps us integrate everything and Debbie is a wonderful example of that here is Debbie Welcome, Debbie. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to reconnect. I love this. (laughs) Same. Uh, And we're reconnecting in the weirdest week of the year, the year between Christmas and New Year's. Which exists. It's like not a real week. (laughs) Definitely not. So it feels especially magical. Um, So can you start out by telling everyone what you do? So I am a yoga teacher. By trade, I'm trained in um, vinyasa and restorative pre and postnatal, and I'm also a mobility and fitness coach. I was initially trained in the CrossFit methodology, and then also uh, by Kelly Starrett in the movement and mobility camp. Um, so I have that, and then I'm also a, a dancer and used to teach quite a bit of dance back in the day. So now I'm a now I'm a Zoom professional teacher. <laughs> Uh, and that's really interesting about uh, being a mobility coach just for people who might not know what's the difference between a yoga teacher and a mobility coach that's a good question so uh, mobility is really about functional range of motion and being able to have stability and strength at your end range so for a yogi that would mean that rather than going into a squat and just hanging out in malasana at the bottom of your squat sort of off tension, it would be like, how far can you go in that squat and also be able to stabilize in your joints and in your tissue so that you're basically under tension, under load. So a lot of it goes hand in hand with strength and conditioning work because you can actually put a barbell on your back and squat. And then, you know, how deep your range is because you're, you're loaded versus a lot of yoga positions are, uh, you're hanging out in your passive range of motion. So there's kind of a more of an emphasis on flexibility and, um, sort of end range. Whereas 
mobility is more like how can we stabilize and have control of, of our movement? Mm, right. So, uh, like for example, my for example, me, I can do a split, uh, but I, getting out of it would be very difficult <laughs> at this point in my yoga career. So that would not be mobile, <laughs> right? It's a passive. Right, right. The splits are the splits are very passive, and and there's there's nothing wrong with having like passive range of motion. It's just uh, it's sort of oftentimes you see in the yoga world you see a lot of hypermobility and sort of a glorification on this like hyperflexible individual versus like actually having control of that of that range of motion. So it's just sort of a different different thing. Yeah. And like, so I assume you were, or I think I, I know, but you were a yoga instructor first. Yeah. Yeah. So I started teaching yoga in 2007 in San Francisco. And before that I was, I started teaching dance. I think many, many years before that I taught dance for a long time. And then I I found yoga through dance when I was 16 years old and I was at dance camp. Um, And my, I had this really quirky modern teacher who introduced it to us and he ended all of his dance classes with Shavasana and like what was now I realized was a yoga practice at the end of dance class. But I, at the time I was like, Oh, we're just stretching. Um, so, and then I started, I did my teacher training in Los Angeles in 2008, but I'd actually been teaching yoga before that because this was sort of like, it was that weird time when there weren't like a ton of trainings and you could kind of just teach. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> And then I, I got grandfathered, grandmothered into my uh, 500 hour ERYT because I'd just been teaching for a really long time. Um, so I did my I did my training with Saul David Ray at the old, this sounds so vintage now, but it was the old Center for Sacred Movement in Los Angeles, which is where at the time Shiva Ray and Sean Korn and Saul, Eric Schiffman, who like, why doesn't Eric Schiffman teach online? It's so sad. Um, <laughs> but, um, and Denise Kaufman, there was just so many incredible teachers there. Christy Christensen was running the place and uh, it was very much like a mecca of, of yoga and sort of LA yoga at, at the time. So that's, that's when I started. And yeah, so I started teaching yoga and I taught full time in San Francisco for before like doing any sort of fitness stuff probably for about six years. And then I discovered, I discovered CrossFit in 2012 and that really changed the direction of my teaching, uh, my yoga teaching, because I was at the time I was very injured from basically just what I was talking about being hypermobile, hypermobile, excuse me, very flexible and not having any strength to support it. And so I started training at San Francisco CrossFit and everything sort of, sort of shifted for me because I was able to move without pain and teach without pain. And so then I just was like, okay, well now I have to merge everything. So I started teaching yoga to athletes and fitness to yogis. And it all kind of evolved from from there. I started working with sports teams and uh, I just joke that I teach yoga to athletes and I teach like strength and conditioning to yogis because I'm all about bringing like the other end to things. Very yin yang of you. <laughs> totally. I'm like, isn't that the point to begin with? <laughs> I that is the only way that I could get into strength. I think is I, the way I did it is because I had enough yoga teachers teach it in class, and I was like, oh, this is not that terrible. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like. Oh like maybe put some of this like in my on my plate if it's the right you want me to squat and then get back up and then squat again okay I could try it (laughs) you want me to get out of the pose that would be very cool (laughs) okay (laughs) so that sounds like you have such a varied background what is your practice like these days you know I I actually in, so now I'm a mom, I'm a new mom. We have an eight month old and I'm, I actually just told me, I was talking to my husband about this earlier that I think in like the complete lack of balance in our lives right now, I've actually found the most balance in my movement practice, like my own personal movement practice than I have in years because I'm, I'm doing strength and conditioning work 
and I'm practicing yoga and I'm dancing regularly, which I feel like for the last many years, it's always been one heavily and then something falls away. Like I'll, I'll do a lot of CrossFit and I end up doing yoga like once a month or something, or I'll do a lot of yoga and then I don't do a lot of CrossFit or I'll dance a lot and then I won't be able to do anything because like I can't recover. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, so now I, uh, we're really lucky we're in LA and it's warm most of the time and our gym is outside. So we've, and then they've been able to stay open at 50%. So I go and train there and, uh, we're at Deuce gym in Venice. If you're around LA, highly recommend. Um, but I trained there when I was pregnant and postpartum and they have a lot of knowledge around this training, doing strength work during this, this time period, which is awesome. Cause I feel like that's it. That's another whole component of things that people don't really talk a lot about as a pre and postpartum period. Um, and then I take dance class online at least once a week. My, my really dear friend, Jean Aplon in Boston, he's an Afro Haitian teacher and he has amazing zoom classes. If you want to like pick up another quarantine hobby, I highly recommend Afro Haitian dance. It's so grounded. It feels really good on the body. I'm like getting up there in age and I can still do it pain-free. So that's awesome. And then for yoga, I've been just like loving, I love a class. Like I know so many people like to just get on their mat and do a practice, but I love a yoga class, like a good yoga class. And so since the pandemic started, the biggest silver lining for me is that I've been able to drop into like everybody's class. So I, I take, I practice through my pregnancy and the end of the pregnancy and after with Jane Austen and San Francisco. And she, I, I think she teaches the best yoga class like in the entire world. Um, she's so good. So I take her class and then I take uh, my friend Megan Windler, who I think you know as mm -hmm. well. So I drop into her classes and I'm just loving like a super sweet, grounded, like you move enough, but you don't have to move like so much kind of class. Um, I feel like that's sort of where my teaching has gone to. Like I used to be really vigorous vinyasa and now I feel like I'm sort of in that sweet, like flow enough so that then you can ground and relax. So, yeah. I, okay. I have a lot to say about everything. So let's start, <laughs> let's start from the beginning. That is so uh, interesting what you say about your practice becoming more chill as you've been finding other ways to practice because, or other modalities that you're interested in. Because I feel like almost everyone I've interviewed who practice yoga for a really long time have found another physical thing so that their practice, their yoga practices become sort of more chill. Um, like uh, Jason Bowman, Valerie Starr, like I feel like everyone is kind of like, okay, but now yoga is my my chill thing, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. Do you think that uh, has to do with your injury or like, how did you get there? I think that I was definitely pushing myself really hard. And when asana was the only thing, I was pushing myself really hard in asana because to speak Ayurvedically for a moment, like I definitely have a pizza vata personality and like I need to move in order to chill. And so when I was only doing asana, I needed to like move fast and hard in asana to chill out at the end. Um, and so that, that did like, and it, and it's also like the same, it's very repetitive with what you do. And so if you're doing vinyasa, five, six days a week, like you're lunging constantly. And so for me who like, I did, I'm very mobile. I didn't have any strength for the most part. I was, I've always been like more of a flexible yogi and not a super strong one. Um, and so I was just like hanging on my end range. And I, to be totally honest, I tore both my hip labrums and I had no idea. I was just walking around with like, Oh, I'm in pain all the time, but I should just like keep going to yoga. Cause you're supposed to that's what you're supposed to do. And then it wasn't, uh, it was really in when I started doing CrossFit that I was like, oh, the balance of different kinds of movements and training and doing different things with my body is actually like the best thing. And then yoga can really be like, it can be yoga. It can be like a time where I can ground and breathe and I don't have to like 
push myself to have a workout because really, I, I really feel like most people like need a workout, but maybe yoga is not the best tool for that. Yeah. And the more you practice yoga, the less you're likely to sweat. Like I could always tell when I was teaching, when it was a yoga teacher in my class, because everyone else would be sweating and like a yoga teacher is like completely dry because they're like, their body's so used to it that they just stop. It stops being a workout unless you really push it. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's like a hard thing to, for me, because I, I tend to get, I tend to get super into something when I get into it right away and then like it loses its flavor a little bit. And then I'm, just, I'm trying to get back to that place of like, Oh, but I want that flavor. And I feel like that's happened to me with everything. Like when I was doing, when I was dancing constantly, when I was doing yoga constantly, when I was doing CrossFit constantly, like I got to a point where you just sort of, you, you just plateau. And that's, that's really normal if you're doing one thing all the time. And so that, that's why I feel like it's important to move in many different ways and, and also to just move. Like I, I take Crosby, that's our son in, in the carrier and we walk like at least twice a day just all over. Cause I'm like, okay, fresh air movement. Like that's really the, I, I feel like most people just need to move, move more. It doesn't really matter what, what exactly you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it will really change. I mean, here, I'm very jealous of your sunny LA gym weather because it is snowing here right now. <laughs> um, but I definitely notice on days, you know, I don't take Hudson out if it's like under 20 degrees. because It's just like, he's a baby. I mean, I just, we'll go out for like 10 minutes, but I'm not going on a long walk with him. And um, I definitely notice he's like crankier on those days because he like needs to like get out and like have a physical experience somewhere else. I mean, especially these days. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, so yeah, and then I want to ask you a little bit more about your experience postpartum in CrossFit. How has that been? Uh, it's been, to be honest, it's been really great because I I studied so much. I learned so much before and I'm constantly learning. And I think that it, I feel like from an ego perspective, it's been very challenging because I am constantly like, okay, well, I used to be able to do this and I can't do that right now. So it's, so it's weird to have to really scale back in order to move forward, especially when like I have a gauge of what I'm used to doing weight wise, movement wise. Um, but I, I actually, so I had uh, I had a pretty intense miscarriage before I got pregnant and had to have a DNC surgery. And when that happened, I had some just like residual things um, in my pelvic floor that when I went back to CrossFit, I was like having pulling in my abdomen and things just didn't feel right. And so I started doing pelvic floor women's physical therapy after that, which was such a blessing because before that I'd like vaguely heard about it. And I'm a, I'm a movement teacher. I'm a movement nerd. And I had only like vaguely heard about it. So that's how completely not available it was at that point. Um, but I was so lucky because it, I was able to just train those muscles through my whole preconception, pregnancy, postpartum. And I like, I worked with a physical therapist who is very, very skilled at getting people back to doing what they're, they're used to doing. So I just really feel like slow and steady has, has won the race for me. And I, I still look at like, not to be judgmental, but I'm so judgmental when I see people like at like two weeks postpartum, a week postpartum or whatever, trying to like do what they used to do. I feel like there's gotta be this like slow incline and with a lot of rehab work. Um, so that's looked like diaphragmatic breathing and um, pelvic floor contractions, a lot of pelvic floor release because athletes tend to be super, it's interesting because athletes tend to be super tight in their pelvic floor and in their, in their abdomen. And so a lot of the work has been being able to re release pressure. Um, and so I, I do a lot of rehab work and then I've been able to share that a lot with my, a lot of my students are pregnant or postpartum. So I, it's been nice to, 
to offer that as like part of some of my yoga classes are now just a lot of pelvic floor work, which thanks to Jane Austen and all the pelvic floor PTs I've worked with, like that's, that's like a normal thing to do in yoga. But I, I feel like that that's only until been recently that, that that's even brought up. So. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty insane that I had a similar experience. Well, my son came out very quickly, um, which sounds nice, but it was a very big push. You need a very big head. So I've also had a lot of <laughs> rehab to do postpartum. Um, but luckily I also saw a public floor therapist. And if I hadn't, like if I had been, cause I was pretty tight before if I hadn't, like, I don't know what would have happened. Like I already needed some stitches and things like that. So it's kind of, yeah, it's like it's so insane that you're expected to prepare the crib, but not your body. <laughs> Totally. I, you know, I, I had a, I had an, well, it wasn't an emergency, but I had a, I was induced, Crosby didn't want to come out. I was induced at 41 weeks and a day. And I had a, I had a 37 hour labor and then a C-section because he just, he was huge. He wouldn't come out. And I cannot believe that like women only get a six week post-op appointment. And then they're like, oh yeah, you can do whatever like after a cesarean, it's, it's like you have major abdominal surgery. You have to turn those muscles back on. And like most women have no idea that that's even a thing to do. Like I, I said to one of my students the other day, like, I was like, Oh, are you, are you um, doing mobilization on your scar? And she was like, Oh, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, I'm like, you need to be mobilizing your scar every day. to like prevent scar tissue, but nobody tells anybody this stuff. So it's, it's wild to me. And it's, yeah. And I think it's like really, um, people don't, I don't know if people really understand who haven't had babies, how vulnerable you are right after you give birth and how I'll sit see for myself. I was like super vulnerable and super unsure of myself because I'd never been a mom before. And I've just felt like everything I was doing was wrong. And for them to say at six weeks, like, okay, get back to regular activity. It felt like pressure to me. Totally. totally. I had the, I had the exact same experience. I was, I was actually, I had a lot of anxiety at the end of my pregnancy because the pandemic started like two months before. And so when I was going basically at the end of my pregnancy, every day the rules were shifting for the hospital and like, up until the day that I got induced, my husband was not going to be able to be there for, for uh, postpartum. And that changed the day we went in, thank God, because I don't know how anyone did that, like without their partner. Um, but so I had a lot of anxiety leading up to it, because it's like you're going into the most unknown situation of your life with like all these additional unknowns of like pandemic. And at that point in the I don't want to say like, we, we sort of, we like know more at this point about COVID at that yeah. point, like we're still like washing our groceries and not going <laughs> at all. And, you know, I couldn't go, I couldn't go to physical therapy. I couldn't do anything. So it was really, it was very strange. And, um, and then those weeks postpartum, those early like six weeks, I felt such a relief because it was so nice to just like be with the baby and not have anything else to do. I was so, I felt so calm in that time. And then it was right around six weeks when I was like, Oh, like when they gave me the green light, I was like, Oh, I need to move again. I need to teach again. And I felt all this pressure and I was like, and there was a pandemic or still, you know, and I was like, no, it, it was this weird push pull between like, I'm just enjoying being and also six weeks, like that's when you're supposed to do stuff again. Yeah. Like, okay, go work out, go get on the spin bike, go have sex with your husband. I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not even sleeping more than two hours a night. Like, how right. can I-, I was like, is it going to hurt? And she's like, yeah, it's totally going to hurt. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to <laughs> do that. Like neither of us want to do it if it's going to hurt. Like, I, you know, my husband doesn't either. Like, that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> My my OB, I love my OB, but she is like such a straight shooter. She's not from the East Coast, but like she might as well be from the East Coast. And she just tells it like it is. She's like, yeah, just, just, you know, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think mine said like have a glass or two of wine. I was like, I mean, all right. (laughs) Doctor's orders, I guess. (laughs) Um, uh, 
And then, okay. Um, sorry. I'm what I'm learning in podcasting is that it's hard to switch subjects the way it is in real life. (laughs) Um, that's something I'm working on. It's a new year's resolution, but, um, can we just like go through each of the modalities you do? And can you give us like two or three words on what they give you? Can we? Ooh, okay. I love that. It's like a game, a quick That's game. A really good, really good question. <laughs> Thank you. I need all the encouragement I can get. Okay, so first let's do dance. Dance gives me life and joy, like so much joy. And uh, music. Okay. Energy. It gives me energy. Energy. Okay. Uh, how about strength training? It, not to be redundant, but it gives me strength. And <laughs> it, gives me, it gives me confidence and it gives me community. Mm. And yoga. Yoga gives me myself. Yoga gives me calm and grounding and peace. Oh, I love that. I, <laughs> I feel very similarly. Um, and this reminds me of a very trivial question, but because I'm obsessed with handstands, or I would say I'm obsessed with the, the um, the trail to handstands, the the, the ever long journey I've had toward handstands. (laughs) But I noticed that after people start doing uh, CrossFit, all of a sudden they can do handstands. What is the secret? Well, I think that's really interesting. I, I love handstands. That's my favorite thing. That's, that's been when I say like, it's hard to be postpartum and look at what I could do. Handstands is the handstands is the number one thing that I'm like, wow, that's, it's hard to not be able to just tumble the way that I used to. Um, but I, I mean, full disclosure, I have a background in gymnastics. So handstands tumbling has always been like part of my wheelhouse. Um, but I think because CrossFit and people, people think about CrossFit because of how it's branded as like lifting heavy weights and like moving really fast. But classically the modality was all about blending gymnastics, strength training and endurance conditioning. So there's a, there was supposed to be, and in a lot of places still is a very large emphasis on gymnastics and the king, queen, I should say queen pose of gymnastics is a handstand and being able to hold it. So I think that, uh, I think with classical gymnastics, you train handstand really differently than you do in yoga. And I think, I think a lot of it goes back to sort of what I was talking about, about mobility versus flexibility. And a lot of yogis, like because I see these pictures and they kill me of yogis in handstand where you've seen the picture. Sorry, I'm going to have to describe it because it's a podcast, but they're like, their, sh- their shoulders are so mobile that they're like behind their head mm-hmm. and their elbows are bent and then their back is like completely arched and then their feet are flexed at the top and they're holding it, but they're basically just like holding it on their, their ligaments and their shoulders, of their shoulders, not like that. It's not the, the way to, to sustainably hold a handstand. So I think, I think with gymnastics, you're taught to like really push the ground away, load the shoulders, and then create that like perfectly straight line where your toes are pointed and your, your core is engaged. And then it really becomes more of a a core situation than a shoulder or back thing. So you, and then you train like a lot of, or I've trained a lot of things that help you do a handstand. Whereas in yoga, you don't really train things to help you do a handstand. You kind of just like kick up to a wall or like in, I, I, when I was training, I had trained for a very long time with Carl Pauly, who is a, a famous, uh, he's like a famous CrossFit gymnastics guy. And he, he would have us do like, we, we would work with 
a partner or two people and you would hold a handstand and people would kind of like teeter totter you and you would hold a handstand with your uh, chest facing the wall for a minute and then you come down and you do it again. So it was like a lot of repetition of holding a handstand and then doing accessory work to make that better versus just like, let's kick up for four minutes at the end of class and against a wall. It's a different, different thing. I, that makes a lot of sense. And I like what you're saying, but I have to say I'm a little disappointed because I wish it was just, I could do a little yoga and then kick up at the wall. I don't want to have to work that hard. I just want to. Handstands are so hard. Like they're so they hard. are. I've been training handstands for so long. And like, even, even now it's like hard to hold a handstand for a long time in the center of the room. Like I can, I can kick up and roll out of it and cartwheel out of it. And like, then you, you know, you get those like 10 seconds of glory for like years of work. So my glory, my mind, I have a three seconds of glory. <laughs> I'll send you some, some videos, but I, I do think that Carl, Carl Pally's videos on handstands are, are great. If you go back in the YouTube. Okay. Yeah. I'll check it out. Maybe that'll be my, my next project. <laughs> Another one. And I feel like he might be in the mid. I don't know where he is now, but a guy named Dave Durante, who is also like a CrossFit gymnastics guy. And he, uh, he is an amazing handstand teacher. I took his class in New York. And we just like worked on handstands for a whole hour. And it was, I loved it, (laughs) but I'm a nerd. No, I would, I would like that in a class. I think it's hard. A lot of the drills are like, like the one you talked about with your chest against the wall is exhausting. So like, I would need a community to make me keep that. Like if I'm home, I'm like, Oh, I'll just come down. (laughs) Really? It's not like the fun stuff to get to the Mm-mm. But then you look so, then it, and not only does it look cool, but it feels so good to like, just be held like that by your own body. Totally. Um, <laughs> so um, you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that you teach yoga to uh, athletes and teach strength to yogis. Um, in what way, can you tell me about teaching yoga to athletes? Because I've never done it. <laughs> I love it so much. I love it so much. I actually really miss, I really miss traveling and teaching. And I, before, before the pandemic and I was, I was traveling, I think in at least once a month, every two months, um, I was going to different gyms. Usually they were strength and conditioning gyms like around the country. And I would uh, through, so I work, I work with the, the ready state. It's now called, it's formerly mobility wide. And they, they were the owners of San Francisco CrossFit. Um, and they have an online, an online portal. That's basically like they do a bunch of videos and a lot of professional trainings previously in person now all virtually. Um, and so I work with them and I would go and teach in person. And I had everybody from like, former professional football players to swimmers, gymnasts, like elite CrossFit athletes, and they'd all be in the same room. And pretty much like all of them knew that they should do something for like breathing, mobility, yoga, but like they didn't know what to do. And so they like maybe incorporate something at the end of like a stretch at the end of class, but like they just really didn't know what to do. And then they were they were super, I think that, I think that my work in that population has been really trying to break down the yoga practice to make it quick and accessible and doable and beneficial for what, what they're doing outside of it. Because the whole like hour, hour and a half class, when you're already doing another thing that's super time consuming and very physical is like, it just doesn't, it doesn't translate. And so when, you know, when they were told previously, like, Oh, you should go do yoga. And then they'd be like, okay. So they like go to a yoga class. It's like a Bikram class. And they're like, why should I be doing this? Like, what is this going to benefit? And so to actually like break down the practice, to think about the practice as like, okay, so this is a, this is a swimmer. Like what do they need to balance them? that they're not getting in their training. And so to, to offer those kinds of pieces 
of the practice that's that's really been my work and i and i feel like it's it evolves based on who who i'm working with like if i'm working with a football team it's going to be different than if i'm working with like a bunch of volleyball players or but thinking about like where what they're doing what their repetitive motion is in their sport are they breathing a lot of it just comes down to like can you breathe and can you downregulate? Because we know you can upregulate and go really hard, but like, why aren't you sleeping? Why can't you relax? Like, what about those other hours that you're not training? Like, how can we make your recovery better? So that's that's really my my bread and butter. That's so cool. Yeah, the, and I, I mean, for all those sports you mentioned, like you do need mobility, certainly, maybe not flexibility, but definitely, it must improve their game as well. And the ability to relax, like must improve them as athletes as well. Totally. Totally. Cause a lot of, I mean, a lot of the, I feel like a lot of the training, the training is just to, to do a lot of stuff. Like whether even, even just, even just athletes who are casual CrossFitters or, you know, Barry's bootcamp soul cycle or whatever, like they go and do the thing for like five, six days a week. And then it's, they're doing sort of a redundant activity and so what can you do in that like one off day or if you have 10 minutes at night to like help give you some balance that's really that's really where I like where I like to work and my uh my seminar that I used to teach in person that's now virtual it's all about that it's like here are just small flows or down regulation pieces or things that you can kind of have like bite-sized chunks of yoga that you can put in when you can, because I feel like a little yoga is better than no yoga. And if people aren't going to go do like a ton of yoga, then you might as well just like throw in pieces of it. Definitely. And then on the other side, if I'm a yogi and I'm looking to work in more strength, like in my home practice, what are like a few, uh, I guess, is it a pose? What are a few exercises you'd recommend? I think, I mean, I always think that the best thing yogis can do is to add load and the, now, you know, we're in a pandemic. So like going to the gym maybe is not the easiest thing. And so like, what do you have around your house that you can like, like a bag of flour or like, you know, something your toddler would be a great, (laughs) like, like hold your toddler in front of your chest and like, get in a squat stance, squeeze your butt, like squeeze your belly and then like squat down, like make it, make it an active shape rather than a passive shape and just do 10 squats, 20 squats, and then hold a plank for a minute or, you know, just do things that are, that are load bearing activities. I mean, if you have access to dumbbells or a barbell or something that can like add additional load, like that would be awesome. But um, you know, you can use books or whatever, whatever you have that's, that's weighted just so that, cause I, I think the thing about yoga that's hard is that you're a lot of yoga is, you know, there's strength in yoga for sure, but because we're only working with our body, it's hard to know like where we are in space. Whereas that mm-hmm. it's like a whole motor control thing. So if you add additional load, then then you you're able to to feel where where you are in space because you're you're actually holding that load if that makes that makes sense so yeah so i would say i would say squatting with with tension basically basically squatting is is number one if you can like pick something up and put it down like just deadlift just doing a deadlift but doing it really consciously so like you're setting your feet under your hips and you're creating, you're taking a deep breath, you're holding it, you're bracing your, your abdomen and you're setting your back and you're picking something up off the ground and putting it back down with intention. I think that that is just basically being able to stabilize your core muscles helps a lot, which is, which is sort of, I don't want to say it's counterintuitive to yoga, but a lot of yoga is backbending, which I've had to come away from a lot. Not that, not that extension, I think extension is good, but I think the amount of extension and the amount of deep flexion that yogis do can sometimes be too much depending on, you know, who you are and your flexibility. So I've had to kind of back off of, of those things in order to 
get more more of the neutral situation happening. <laughs> Um, I love that adding, uh, whenever, uh, I've heard people say add load, I thought it meant like it had to be like very heavy, but that makes me feel really good because I have eight pound weights. So that means I'm adding load with eight pound weights. Totally. Totally. Okay. Like you take those eight pound weights and like, you can just like bring them to your shoulders and push them up overhead. Like you're doing a handstand and bring them back down and do that again and hold them overhead and walk around your house. And like, that's training your handstand. If you're, because if you think about it, like what is a handstand? It's loading your shoulders overhead. And so one of the things that I love about strength and conditioning is that it's a lot of it is is thinking about movement transfer. And so as yogis, like, what do we do a lot? We do downward dogs. So that's essentially an overhead position. What happens to yogis when they get injured, they tear their rotator cuff. Like, something happens to their shoulder because they're constantly hanging on the end range without the strength to support it. And so take those eight pound weights, push them over your head and like go for a walk around your house and try to maintain, try to maintain that strong position rather than like letting your elbows bend or you can't see me, but I'm like holding my hands over my shoulders at like, like I would in a handstand. Um, so that's, so that's just training that like in, in, with, if you're familiar with like a, a 10 pound plate or a 25 pound plate that would go on a barbell, like you can, you can do that where you just like lift it over your head and walk around. And that's really good for the overhead shoulder stability. That's really helpful. Um, yeah, actually a lot of what you said has been so helpful. So much of the way you explain strength training is just in a very yogic way that really <laughs> was a, like it, because it does, I mean, having a weight does make you focus and in a way it makes you more, have more intention. Like definitely. Um, you're, yeah. you're to, ultimately you're trying to train the positions or cross train the positions that you work in all the time. And that's why it's interest. It's always been interesting to me with yoga because I think with yoga, we think about it as this holistic practice that's spiritual and and complete, but we don't think about it necessarily as a movement practice. Whereas as a swimmer, as a biker, as a runner, as a weightlifter, like that's a sport. And so you cross train for your sport. Whereas in yoga, it's sort of this completely holistic thing. And so you don't think about like, oh, it's actually a movement practice that I should be cross training in order to sustain it. So there's a lot of positions that we do a lot of times in yoga that we don't train. Like you, you hit, like I was saying earlier, you do a lot of lunging. And so why not take your eight pound weights and put them on your shoulders, like in a front rack with your elbows up and do some reverse lunges where you step back into a lunge and you stand up and you maintain tension. So you're training the shape that you want to hang out in off tension. That's, and then that will, ultimately reduce risk of injury because you're, you're creating strength in the positions that you, you work in. If that, makes sense. that makes a lot of sense. And I think you need to now do a seminar of strength for yogis. You do yoga for strength. So now the opposite. <laughs> I feel like I, that, that's definitely on the, that's on the list. And then a, a postpartum, some sort of postpartum thing for sure is on the list. But yeah, I think, I think strength there, there are, uh, I do think that there is a really good conversation right now out there about strength for yogis, but I, I don't think a lot of the modalities that I see are kind of using yoga to get stronger where I'm like, there's actually so many other things that you can do that, that will cross train that I think are more effective than just doing like a yoga boot camp or something like my mom showed me this like yoga boot camp video that she's doing and I'm like I don't want to like use yoga to get strong like it's if that worked like it would have worked <laughs> yeah. yeah I took a cardio yoga class once and I was like wait I just want to go for a run like this seems too hard this is <laughs> <laughs> no, like there's like you don't need to like mix everything like yeah all about like a good fusion but like let's keep that like in in our dinner not like in our movement <laughs> yeah totally completely agree fusion for dinner but not for movement <laughs> um well this has been so great and i know everyone is going to want to 
hear more from you. So where can we find you? I, right now I'm most active on Instagram. I'm at Debbie Steingesser. I feel like that's where I post the most current things. And then my website is currently being redone right now by myself and my husband. So that's just my name, DebbieSteingesser.com. And my seminar for yoga for athletes, and then hopefully soon to be <laughs> strength or yogis, is available on the Ready State. And it's actually, I think it's on sale right now for January. So um, it's thereadystate.com. It's under professional seminars. And it's uh, you can use it for continuing ed- education credits if you're a teacher or coach. So Awesome. Well, we'll put all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Happy New Year. Happy Bye. Well, that interview with Debbie really got us ready for uh, the Yoga Sutra, the first one we're studying this year of the day, of the week, Um, because she was so open-minded about and open about needing a lot of different things and a lot of different uh, things being true at once. And and I'll explain. Sorry, that's a little bit obtuse. Uh, So... um, Yoga Sutra 248 says, thus the seer, that's the person meditating, can experience pairs of opposites without getting shaken up and can experience duality without resistance. So when we have this balance of stiram and sukham, of ease and joy with uh, discipline, and uh, we feel that raining down of peace, then when there are experiences in our life that um, are a pair of opposites, we can experience them without getting shaken up. And this sounds really confusing. And I, I, this is the best example I can think of to really uh, explain it is that, so uh, you know how whenever there is somebody, sorry, this is a little dark, but whenever a, like a convict or, or a person is, convicted of something really really terrible and awful um a lot of the time there'll be like things on social media or things on the news that are like they couldn't have done it because look look at this person they're you know helping to clean up litter or washing down the (laughs) the side of a building or they're you know look at this person they were also so good to their mother and it's like well actually people are really complex And uh, as Walt Whitman says, and I'm butchering this too, you know, we contain multitudes and that the fact that somebody can do something like a truly heinous crime and also, um, you know, uh, take care of their mother is really complicated for the human mind to understand, right? That, That those two things can be true at once. And what the Yoga Sutras are saying is that the way to find peace in the world is to be able to accept that two opposite things can be true at once. I can um, love, 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 you know, I could love a, a person so, so much and also be annoyed by them, <laughs> right? I can uh love my child and also love it when he goes to his grandmother's you know these things can be two things can be true at once um and these things are things we really practice and i've talked about this a little bit in our asana practice you know uh, being in a more um sort of calming pose but also being really focused in the body or being in a strenuous pose but also having fun (laughs) you know these these are all opposites that are through you know present everywhere um and in in meditation you know the biggest kind of duality of them all the big mama duality in the sutras is that the more that we can focus on the present moment and the experience that we're having in the physical world the more that we can leave the physical world And those are like the final steps of, you know, getting to samadhi is like, if we focus enough on just that space right underneath our nose in meditation, then somehow, right, and this is an opposite, somehow we can transcend that. Um, Because the more that we can be in the present moment, the 
less we are tied to our preferences or the things that we, you know, the things we gravitate towards or gravitate away from. And we can see truth, you know, that, you know, like, um, how, how there's that rule that like doctors can't operate on immediate family because you can't see clearly, right? It's like, um, meditation gives us some distance from our experience so that it's, you know, we're not married to it as much. We've got kind of a little bit of space between us and the experience we're having. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, this is something that I am still working on trying to understand. And having the ability to um, appreciate that something can be two complete opposites can be true at the same time is so difficult. It's not something our minds want to do. Uh, you know, that, that I can uh, truly, truly love someone and also completely disagree with their politics is really hard, right? That's a really hard thing to come to. Um, and they're both true, right? It's true that they're wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying like you forgive it or, or that it's okay or that that's just, but it's also can be true that you love them. Um, uh, yeah, there's just a, a lot of, man, there's just a lot to that sutra. Um, so there's a little something for you to think about in the new year. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, I am so excited to be back. And uh, next week we will be talking some more about all of this yoga stuff as usual. Uh, and yeah, if you have any questions about your practice or would like to be on the show, please hit me up. I would love to hear from you. And again, love a review, love a rating. So if you could rate and review this podcast right now, right as soon as you're done hanging up, <laughs> turning off, pressing pause, please do. Okay. Talk to you next week. Bye.